Welcome to episode seven of Swish Theory. My name is Chris Amundsen, hosting as always with my guy, Mr. Laro Golden. Laro, Coach Laro, you've had a fun weekend here. How, how are your kids doing? How are your basketball kids doing? How are you doing, man? Ah, uh, man. Um, man, been sick, man. Um, whole family's had something, either whether it's been like a fever or a cough or a bad cough or, you know, um, two of my kids have had pink eye. So it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been a battle over here. And as, as you can tell, I, I got a little something going on as well, I think. Uh, and, uh, obviously the viewer, the listeners can't see, but I got, I got a coat on right now, uh, because <laughs> my studio is in my garage and it's pretty cold out here. So, um, yeah, man. Um, other than that, man, uh, it's kind of chilling. No Bears game this weekend. I mean, this week. So, yeah, man, just been chilling. How about you? I'm I'm doing good. I I had the I had the stomach flu like two weeks ago, which is always exciting. Man. And uh, my kids had it. And you know, when you have little kids, your kids give everything to you that you got. So yes, I feel you. And obviously, we we weren't able to record last week um, because of all these. <laughs> man, you know, we're day to day over here. <laughs> <laughs> but. But we're back and we're excited to talk about one of the most fascinating teams in the league, in a league and, and a team that's near and dear to our hearts, as you know, Laro, the Orlando Magic, who are now eight and twenty with back-to-back wins over the Toronto Raptors. And we want to dive into everything that is interesting about this really honestly fascinating and kind of backwards team in a lot of ways. It's just really I just want to get into it. So we brought on our friend Beyond the RK. He's a great Magic fan. He's got his own Substack YouTube channel. Uh, RK, welcome to Swish Theory. How you doing tonight? How's your weekend been? Watching the Magic uh, have some quality wins here. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. Love the pod. Appreciate being on here. Weekend's been good. Yet been seeing a lot of live Magic games lately. Been trying, trying to just. I mean, how long? How many times you get? Paulo and Franz and Fultz healthy at the same time. So Ooh. we have just been hitting these games like there's no tomorrow. Shout out random. I don't even, I'm not even sponsored by game time, but I'm picking up the cheapest ticket available like five nights in a row just to go to these games and see like Giannis and Scotty Barnes and all match up with our rookie. And it's, it's killer. It's a great time to be a magic fan. Well, um, I got to tell you, man, we're going to get into it, but like Chris already mentioned Wendell, but I'm also a huge, huge fan of Jalen Suggs. I also uh, fell in love with Franz Wagner during the draft process. Paolo's an animal. I mean, Fultz. The resurrection of Bobo, you know? I mean, like, what what are we, what is the magic doing? What's in the Kool-Aid down there, man? Cole Anthony. We're Yo, drinking what? it. We're, we're on, this is one of the most exciting cores we've had in a long time. I, I'm not going to say the best yet. We're not at Shaq and Penny levels of, <laughs> of bringing down the house, but like that is literally the last frontier because th- this core is just too exciting. I mean, you you have at in theory t- two or three All Star level prospects between paulo and franz as your top scoring options and and hopefully wendell is as that consistent front court anchor just a solid hopefully he's averaging 16 and 9 now which is career high points but he could easily tick that up to about 18 or 20 and and reach that 2010 
kind of threshold for a big man. And it's it's always nice when that 2010 is accompanied by strong defense and versatile defense. I mean, that's that's a that, that's the difference between like, you know, where you hear the empty calorie stats and like the this is impactful two way basketball. But, you know, I don't want to rub it in on Wendell too long. <laughs> Man, you, you got to join what I'm seeing over here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. If you know, no one can see this because it's audio only, but you can see Laro trying to hold back the tears right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we talked we, before we started about Wendell and, you know, Laro and I are both Bulls fans and um, the Wendell Vucevic trade is, is definitely one that, that, that pains our souls, but uh-huh. it is so nice to see Wendell appreciated because he was not appreciated in Chicago despite, being the same player, like he had that two-way impact on the floor. I love the fact that he he just doesn't take anything off the table defensively before you can play him in any scheme in a pretty effective way. He can pass, he can shoot. Um, he just he's so fundamentally sound in so many ways. He is a really underrated screener. He has, mm. I mean, he just has some really powerful screens, despite you know, he's only you know six nine, but he's just solid, he's just solid across the board and you know, he may never end up being like an all-star, but it's just a winning player. And as you said, with Franz and Paulo there, they got that kind of high ceiling. And I mean, they're they're on their way to all-star status. If if not this season, then, you know, in the near future for Franz especially. Um, but having that third guy there as your as your defensive banker, I mean, it's just what a what a a luxury of riches here that you've got in in Orlando. Yeah. And I'm I'm very jealous, very jealous, but uh, right. I wanted to ask you first off about Franz Wagner. He was uh, the eighth pick last year, and I think he's been kind of underrated. Was he the eighth pick? Am I am I tripping? No, he was. Yes, he was eighth pick. I don't know why I thought he was sixth went second. fifth, and Franz went eighth. That's right. That's right. I was thinking. I know that. I thought they picked fifth. Yep, and Suggs went fifth, and uh, he kind of was left out of the conversation with some of those other kind of high-powered rookies like Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, you know, who were both great players, uh, Cade Cunningham. But Franz is really, really solid on both ends. And he's so exciting to watch. He's, uh, I, I just wanted, I wanted to get your take on what excites you most about Franz Wagner. And did you kind of see a lot of that before he was drafted or was it kind of like a, a revelation to you once he was on the team? Man, Franz is, just kind of surprised all of us. He's a joy to watch. I mean, he he had that bill of like a really solid basketball player coming out of the draft. I kind of thought the the perfect fit, like a lot of people, was the Warriors because he he was described as this player that could fit any situation and contribute right away, and just kind of be this connector, tall type. But also he, but he's just really a lot, like really good at a lot of things where we didn't necessarily see that similar to Wendell, like he, he's a lot more polished or Franz is a lot more polished of a scorer than we expected out of the gates. And he's what, what's most impressive is got to be his just consistency in that on ball scoring creation, especially the pick and roll half court decision making the ability pretty much to lead an offense like he did overseas for Germany uh, during FIBA this summer, where he's showing night in and night out. He can be a primary scoring option. And what's really nice is having him and Paulo being able to kind of both take turns sharing as primary secondary, as they kind of feel each other out and develop, develop that chemistry. And um, just having all three with Franz, Paulo and Wendell, the, 
the front court playmakers is kind of just what I describe them as because they're they're just kind of a beauty to watch play basketball. They just they all making good team first decisions. They all offer a little bit of um, different type of scoring versatility and play finishing and. Most importantly, they're just team-first two-way basketball players who who can play make from the elbow and backdoor cut and make the right play over and over. Where it's just really nice to basically see everyone get easier buckets, helping each other out. Wendell is at a career high in points, true shooting, and assist percentage this year, and I, I would attribute being in those lineups to that reason. And <clears throat> with Franz, it, what you've seen so far, especially, is their chemistry in the pick and roll. Uh, their two-man game, the the, the Wagner Carter connection, as we call it, they're just a, an absolute staple of an offense already. Where basically, our some of the favorite plays to run for for Franz, the Magic's favorite plays, would be Chicago or Horns Flare. These these plays where you take advantage of his off-ball skills by by getting him in motion, getting him ahead of steam and getting him a quick look at an off-ball catch-and-shoot three, like where you've, maybe in Horns Flare where he's running off the screen, or in Chicago where he gets a pin down into a handoff. He has these quick looks off motion, and then he's able to start an on-ball possession. So it's almost like you free him up for a, a quick off-ball look <clears throat> to see if he can convert, and then if not, then you then you run the play anyway that and, and allow him to make that decision on his own and and he just proves time and time and again that he's a a really consistent scoring threat decision maker and just reliable overall yeah i mean watching franz this year um and before this year watching him when he played for germany um i mean i kind of feel like if i don't know if he's talked about it but me on the outside looking in not knowing if he's been asked this question or not, but I kind of feel like the way he played over there kind of built more confidence coming over to the NBA. Um, and I kind of felt the same way towards, uh, I feel like Lowry would say the same thing of how he played for Finland and how that kind of transferred over to the NBA. And I, it's been so cool to see Franz in, in particularly as a pick and roll ball handler and also the finishing around the basket and, Oh, yeah. Different types of finishes like he he's just he's been fun, man. And one like like I said at the beginning of the pod, like the one of the reasons why I became a huge fan of, of Franz is because I felt like the defensive side of the ball, like talk about someone that's locked in off ball, that's, you know, can can guard on the ball like he's 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 a coach's dream, man, when you think about it, like the way he could play both sides of the ball. Now he's added the pick and roll ball handling and, you know, playmaking and getting downhill and finishing. And it's just my goodness, man. I mean, how could you not like watching Franz play basketball, man? He, he's, he's been fun this year and I'm pretty sure it's only going to go up from here. Absolutely. And I forgot to mention, he ranks 31st in scoring efficiency in pick and rolls. He's averaging 0.98 points per possession. And a lot of that <clears throat> is with Wendell. He, it's just um, a mean connection. I, I forget exact. I don't have the number of the assist combos, but I know they were up there in assist combos as well in terms of Franz assisting him. I know that the most assisted play they have together is the alley oop lob. And I hate to throw this on you guys, but I'm 
fairly certain that Franz has more lob assists to Wendell over oh, Vucevic man. than any other type of assist at all. <laughs> like, it's the most – they've done it like – he's had like 16 lobs and like half of them are over Vucevic. It's it's kind of like insane. And But it, it really wrapped just – you know, bow t- ties a nice bow on the on the deal of probably how they maybe feel about the situation. Yeah, that that uh, the Wendell revenge game against the Bulls. I mean, if if Wendell played against his the Bulls, career average is eight points higher against the Bulls than yeah. any other team. It's sixteen against everybody else for us for Orlando, yeah. and it's twenty something against the Bulls. I don't blame him. Wendell has every right to be mad at the Chicago Bulls for the way they treated him, for the way the fans treated him for the way the broadcast team treated him. Like it was a complete disgrace. And it was the cherry on top was one of the worst trades in Chicago history. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bringing in Vucevic, who I love. Vucevic is a great player, great guy, but just the wrong trade at the wrong time for the wrong pieces and at the wrong price. And uh, obviously you guys have been the beneficiaries of that. And, you know, Franz and, and, and Wendell have been just a really, really fun duo together. And, it's just exciting to watch them. They have, I think people are ranking like the, these, you know, the tanking team or they're kind of rebuilding team uh, cores. And I was always surprised at how low I think kind of the consensus was on the magic. I think the magic have maybe the best talent out of those teams right now. I mean, other than, I mean, OKC has Shea, who is I think the best player of any of these rebuilding teams, but I mean, Magic have really got something with 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 friends uh, with with Franz and Wendell, and then I wanted to kind of shift over here to Paolo with Franz and Wendell and their connection being so effective. You know, their their pick and roll, their their game seems to really translate on the floor together. How has the entry of Paolo into that lineup and those lineup combinations? How has that affected? Like, what changes have you seen, and how has Paolo? Um, you know, added to or changed, you know, what, what's going on on the floor there. Yeah. I, I think he adds another versatile scoring option and especially kind of the break in case of emergency option. Like when, when there's nothing else going, like just let Paulo go to work and get a shot off at least like that. It's great to have an actual tough shot maker like that. And, and Franz is getting better off the dribble there too, but Franz tends to, use a screen and I don't know if he needs a screen, but he, he tends to be most effective on ball with, a, with the screen. Whereas um, Paulo kind of does a lot of self-creation himself um, about a week ago. I haven't checked um, if the stat has changed, but it might've changed slightly. But as of a week ago, uh, Paulo was one of 14 players to have 25 possessions in post-ups, ISOs and pick and rolls on ball. So he's already one of the most versatile scores in the league. He was top 10 out of those 14 rated in all of them and super high in post-ups. He's uh, in the entire league. He ranks 18th tied with Luka Doncic for post-up efficiency at 1.1 points per possession. And really it's, it's just his versatility is the first word that comes to mind. And then after that it's, it's drives and it's free throws or Orlando is second in the league in offensive free throw rate. And it's almost entirely because of Paulo. Paulo's free throw ranks are like among the league's best already. Um, he's it's like top five, right? Yeah, he's in attempts. He is officially f- fifth in um, per game attempts. So 
He's uh, only four people are taking more free throws than him at 8.7. He's making, he's ninth in makes at 6.5, and then 11th and 13th in total, and 12th in free throw rate at 0.544. So he's getting to the line. The, uh, the, the fun ones are like he's <clears throat> all time ranks among the best among rookies. He's, he's ranked 14th all time for free throw attempts at 8.6 where Wilt Chamberlain has the record for 13.8 and he's 12th all time in free throw makes at 6.5 while Oscar Robertson has a record at 10.6 and things like, you know, magic fans haven't seen this since Shaq. I mean, Shaq literally averaged 8.9 free throws a game, 0.3 more than Paulo. So, I mean, rookie Paulo is getting to the line as much as Shaq and converting 77% of them. Like he, it, it's it, he doesn't have to be held off the floor late in games or anything like that. Same, similar with Dwight Howard too, where he, he was always getting fouls, but they were they were like 50, 60 percent shooters. Paulo is he was he had the same I know it was random, but he had the same free throw percentage as LeBron in college at 74 percent, and now he's up to like 77. So that it's for a high volume free throw uh, drawer. That's that's very encouraging, of course. That it's not like a uh, uh, liability. It's just one more thing he brings to the table. And uh, one more fun fact is that the Magic have three players driving over ten times per game, and Franz, Paulo, and then Fultz. Now he's they're they're in the top forty for drives per game. So they're just they. It, it's really fun to watch because it's finally like kind of what we were talking about a little before. It's 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 modern basketball where you can pretty much play any style you want. They'll, they'll throw a three-two zone out one play. They'll play drop coverage the next. They'll blitz. They against the Clippers the other I, I broke I had a breakdown the other day where they were really effective using blitz defense where they actually they forced fifteen total turnovers and kept Kawhi and Paul George to shoot seven for twenty-seven from the field, and eight of those turnovers were from blitz defense that were just like outlet alley oops for the Magic basically afterwards. So. They, they were really effective just basically sending Mo Wagner and Bull Bull to use their length on the blitz and kind of get, break up the vision and passing lanes for a Paul George and Kawhi, and it just really worked out uh, that game as well. So it, it's nice to see just a, a modern, fun, up-and-down basketball that we haven't really seen in Orlando in a while. We, we were touching on a little earlier that you kind of have to play a certain style give or take with Vooch or, or at least a certain pace and a certain playing through him in, in the post. And, and maybe it limits your defensive schemes. Well, now the roster has versatile defenders at every position that the guards are, are like Suggs is really strong for his position. So he, he can guard up and be versatile there while the whole front court can pretty much enter. They're all six ten long, strong basketball players that can pretty much interchange with each other positionally. And, maybe we'll have some problems against the bigger, the, the absolute biggest stars like the, the Embiid's, but pretty much everyone seems to have that. So, you know, you would think like that length is effective to build like a wall against other stars like Giannis because, you know, Wendell has that Horford comp that he's always, he's always made with. So that that's kind of a, a nice defense to build out. And I think there's a lot of symmetry to um, the Celtics actually in terms of just roster lineup mixability and, and kind of line up matchup possibilities there where you have like Paulo and, and Franz as, as your core wing scores like Tatum and, and Brown, Jalen Brown, 
you have Suggs versus Smart as like these versatile on ball streaky three point shooters, but like lockdown guard defenders that are super strong. And Wendell and Horford obviously just bringing that fundamental play. And and then the Rob Williams role could be any of our shot blockers. Maybe it's Bowl, maybe it's Isaac, but like there there seems to be at least that modern lineup construction there that you can see where what's being built and you you gotta love it. The uh the and I mentioned as well that they're basically top fifteen in drives and um offensive rebounds and free throw rates on both sides of the wall. Woo man. Some numbers for you. A lot of good stuff right there. Like man. that caffeine kicked in. Hey um I do have to ask you <clears throat> What what's going on with? Because I mean, obviously, if this was some you know some player that that couldn't really impact the game, you know, I guess people wouldn't really be too worried. Um, but Isaac, man, I mean, because when I think yeah. about the types of things that you guys can do if you ever get Isaac back, Ooh. I mean, I mean, come on, fun, man. <laughs> it's fun to think about just that, just Isaac in that front court next to everybody. I mean, you and. With with the guard skills that Franz and Paulo have, you could really make some interesting lineups. I mean, as, as long as the defense can can hang, I mean, you're talking about versatile six ten lineup that that all the, one through five. So um, Isaac supposedly he told uh, Kobe Price pretty we- recently that he was warming up to get back on the court and um and what that means who knows but <laughs> he did he did get. We got another breakthrough after that. About a, one month later, he is now practicing with the G League team. So he is officially oh, wow. doing basketball things. He's not playing the games yet with them, but he's, he's on a track. So, you know, I, I think that means he'll play this season, but even I couldn't tell you. And I, I, I follow as closely as, as anyone can. And I, I kind of thought he might be back at the beginning last year based yeah. on what they were telling us. So with, with Isaac is pretty much wait and see, but I'd, I'd love to think about that defense. I mean, he's one of the best defenders I've ever seen. He's, he's as long and versatile and impactful as anyone that can play out there. So if he, if he still got that and I mean, you got to hope there's been some, uh, he could be a really dynamic two way player if he has if he's really worked on that, a couple mid-range moves, just, just, just fill out the bag a little bit to get us like he, he, we, we got video of him working with Tracy McGrady once where he was Ooh. working on these like mid-range pull-ups and these fadeaway. I'm like, please just, <laughs> just take one, just get, give him one. Like yep. he, we just need one or two moves in there. Kind of like, cause you can, the, cause the best case scenario obviously is the, is like the Kawhi comp where he's just this do it all defender who at least like went, like defensively, I like that comp. He's he's never been, you know, I've never been that hopeful offensively. But mm-hmm. you know, it, maybe Thad Young is more realistic. But you know, I I just I love what I see there in terms of the defense. And you can only hope that with a little bit of you know, he's had a couple years now. If he has a couple more moves, you got Paulo, Franz, and Isaac. That's a heck of a dynamic front court on on top of Wendell as well. His consistency and Bowl. I mean, I don't even who knows what Bowl is or can be or will be it's just a beautiful experience hey can we can we borrow one of these forwards at some point <laughs> like my goodness yeah we got we got some on the bench you know a couple extra you're, forwards you're, lying around your your bench forwards would could start for a lot of teams i'm just saying it's um it's, it's pretty right. ridiculous i haven't even gotten the tuma I know Tumo <laughs> kick it yeah we'd man we, it's an embarrassing of riches in the in the front court for you guys 
I do want to say before we move on and before Lara, uh, before you ask your next question, seeing Paolo on the court against NBA players, you're the thing that struck me was how big this dude really is. Like he's yeah. physically imposing and, yeah. and he has such a fearlessness about, about him and a confidence in his game. And, and so it does not surprise me that he's having kind of historic production, especially getting to the free throw line uh, and, and on these drives and, and just kind of the versatility in his game already. I mean, we're, I can't remember the stat, but they were, I mean, he was comparable to like LeBron James's um, rookie season in a lot of these different stats in his production. And, you know, obviously his efficiency is not quite where you want it to be yet on the shooting, but, but the fact that he's getting to the line at this point in his career at such a, at such a, you know, phenomenal rate already, just really encouraging. And as you mentioned, the fact that you have multiple six, 10 ish forwards, that can kind of do it all a little bit. I mean, that's, that's the future of basketball kind of as we see it. That's what Toronto has been trying to do <laughs> the last couple of years. Right. Um, you mentioned the Celtics comps, you know, Jason Tatum and, and Al Horford and, and those guys are so switchable on defense and, and so devastating in a lot of areas. So that's why I've kind of viewed the magic as such a promising young core, even though you don't have necessarily, and, and, and I say this before Paolo got here, you didn't have that kind of like super, like clear superstar. But I think Franz is a multi-time all-star. I think Wendell is about as solid as a starting center that you could ask for kind of a glue guy on both ends. And then Paolo looks like he's going to be a monster for a decade. So, I, you know, and then you have Jonathan Isaac, who, you know, theoretically is going to play basketball at some point. But he's <laughs> like, you know, like an almost generationally, generationally good defender. And, you oh, know, yeah. if he could add just a couple of things to his game, he's still young. Man, it's just... It's so easy to see why there's so much to be excited about in Orlando, uh, you know, now and and in the future. Um, anyway, sorry for the tangent, Lero, but I'll, I'll let you I'll let you move on here. <laughs> but, um, no, you're good, Paulo. You mentioned. I mean, he is he's a tank. He, he's two fifty six ten. He's he's like I was looking at some of the body type comps. It's it's kind of similar to like Blake Griffin and LeBron and Melo, mm -hmm. but a little taller. Like he's almost like. It a little closer to Jokic, but somewhere in between in terms of that. That's kind of how I envision how he uses his weight on the court. Cause like you said, he, he's a big 250 and he's strong. So he's like, yeah, he can get up and play finish and be a lob threat while also using that strength to back down. And what's crazy is he has the speed to burst fast, burst past quicker guards and then the strength to back down bigger defenders. Like, he had he his break breaking out party to me, at least one of them was a game against the Rockets. He had a, a hezzy crossover move where he just flew by Eric Gordon for this power slam, and then like two plays later, out of bounds sideline out of bounds play runs to the baseline for a quick post up on Usman Garuba and hits him with like a shoulder power slam, and it's just like he, he's just faster than the guards and stronger than the bigs. He's he's, he's unguardable. And, he, walked, and he walked in a walking mismatch. Stepped and, into the lead. And Garuba is not a slouch defender. That's like, what I mean. Garuba that's, is a damn good defender. That's what when I think of like strong low post or strong defense, at least down there. I mean, he's he's up there. And the st the stats with or the LeBron stats of the day are hilarious. Every new day, there's there's just a new stat that is shared with LeBron. <laughs> like the first, 
I love the the first one. He had the most points by a rookie since Iverson in '96 in his first game with tw- with uh, I think it was 26 points. Yeah. And he joined LeBron as the only teenager in the history of the league to have a 30 and 15 game. He became the first Magic rookie since Shaq to record a 30 and 15 game or 30 and 10 game. There, there's about like 20 of these stats I could read off, but I'll just go with I'll finish with yesterday's. He joined Zion and Michael Jordan as the only rookies to have 15, 20 point games in their first 20 out of their first 20. So that's, that's a nice start. It's not, not bad company. Every, every, every company is like, yeah, Kareem on this one and, and LeBron over here. He's just, he, he's just a joy to watch. And I mean, what, what's great is like, he's clearly not, maybe clearly is not the right word, but he, he is an elite foul drawer mm-hmm. and an elite driver. And, but yet he can still improve in like every area. It seems like, yeah. you know, there's, there's not like one place that's maxed out or anything like that, which might throw off some of the, the conversations with, or kind of what people talk about with his draft comps, because it's just an interesting conversation between like potential versus good basketball player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where, where is realistic potential versus if someone's already a good basketball player, do they have room to grow? And, you know, maybe from my perspective, maybe Franz and Paulo kind of got um, disregarded slightly by other teams or, and the magic targeted them for, for those reasons that they were just able to uh, notice that about them. You know, and the crazy thing is I, I, I I think Paolo's three ball is going to come. It's going to come. Maybe maybe it isn't this season, like like in terms of efficiency. Yeah, but I definitely think he's going to shoot. Yeah, he, I mean when he when shoot. he's hitting tough pull ups like this, like and it's he's already hitting them like all over the floor. Like I would imagine the efficiency just comes, and and because all the other numbers are so good in all the areas, it's just like you know it's it's kind of like a a fun thing to watch happen. Like yeah. oh he he can still be an even better mid-range assassin instead of like, like a really good one. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, I'm like, as these guys get older and they, they, they finally get a squad that they, they want to, okay, let's go. It's time. Let's go win. It's like, how do you guard? Like you get one possession, you know, you can have Paolo bring the ball up, initiate the offense. Next possession, you have Paolo, you have, you have Franz bring the ball up and initiate the offense. You know, got Suggs, Marquette. Like, I just don't understand. Got options. Like, my goodness. But we thinking of, um, you know, when you guys talk about how much of a tank uh, Powell is, I remember, man, fu- like, I remember seeing this video on Twitter, and I could not stop laughing. And it was uh, Jamal Mosley when he was teaching Powell, hey, this is this is how you're supposed to get positioned. You know, like, you know, give him a shoulder, get wide. <laughs> and Paolo absolutely, and I don't think he was even mean to try to do it. He was just so damn strong that you know he, he gives Jamal Mosley the the shoulder and Jamal flies back <laughs> like six feet. Like oh, his face is like oh, it's practice, man. Is that? <laughs> oh my golly, man. Um, I know we can wax poetic about Paolo and uh, all day, um, but I, I, we're gonna get to Chuma because I'm a huge, huge yeah. Chuma guy. Um, but I, I do have a question about the guards, um, and I'm pr- this might be a little different question from what you have, Chris. But um, 
I, I was just looking up. So you guys did pick up the team option for Cole Anthony uh, for this season. He does have a team option for next year as well. Um, where do you see Cole Anthony with this glutton of guards that you guys have already? Like, do you think they're, do you think that he is someone that you could see still being with the squad or is this, is he going to be like a, a casualty to the plethora of talent that this team has? Yeah, I, I think he's definitely got an opportunity here. Basically to me, we were like, we were talking about, I, I feel like the front court is a little more set and um, with like two X factors in bowl and Isaac and where, and where they fit long-term as well. Mm-hmm. But with Wendell and Franz and Isaac or Paulo, that, that front court really feels set. So to me, it feels like now they have a collection of some of the better young guard prospects in the league to kind of try out and see who fits with these guys. And and the NBA is always a tryout. You know, every team, mm-hmm. everyone's watching. You, you, you know, you might be trying out for your next team and not even know it. Mm-hmm. I think um, RJ Hampton got his team option declined. I, I think he might <laughs> be the one who is kind of the odd, one, odd man out of this rotation at the moment but the other thing is the injuries have basically um a have not made the gluttony a problem yet like everyone is is hurt all the time we have hardly even (laughs) had one guard healthy enough to like get the opportunity and then he normally gets hurt the next one shows up so the only that's the only problem is like it's it's not a it doesn't seem like it's great for chemistry in that sense because the rotations or and lineups are different all the time but at the same time, like Coach Mosley's building like a real culture here where that next man up mentality, even though it's more of a, a football phrase, like it still applies here. And, you know, they 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 live by it where you have to – it's just a, like we were saying earlier, it's a modern set of, of just endless actions, running two or three actions in one set, like a Chicago into a, a another horn set or, or a one pick and roll into another, a handoff into a pick and roll just a breath of fresh air compared to basically Steve Clifford's offense from before where it was post up pick and roll or stagger screen for T Ross every single possession. And they just, they just let you know what was coming. And we still had a, like a, I want to say the worst offense, like bottom 10 offense the whole decade. But anyway, it's just nice to see that we're finally like driving and kicking endlessly in that modern way. And um, with the guards, yeah, like it's, I would say Cole is probably like third in the pecking order there at the moment. I, I really, I agree with you on Suggs. I, I think he is kind of, um, kind of like in theory, he's the closest p- prospect to that, that missing piece or that next player you would want to add to this core, like a two guard or a versatile guard that, that can hit the knockdown three off the, the catch and shoot three off of the drive and kicks to the, the forwards playmaking and even off of Fultz's playmaking. I think Fultz has probably earned himself more of that starting gig and, and maybe almost veteran respect now. He's been here long enough. But as terms of, in terms of like Orlando's point guard, like clearly the energy of the team, the whole buzz in the building changes when he is on the floor. It's, it's no question about it. So there, there is that effect. Like he is a table setter. And lastly, I'd say that I – all three are, are fairly complementary, where they're, none of them are overlapping too much, where Fultz is like a pass-first, table-setter, strong defender. Suggs is, and, and Cole is more of a 
like a sh- score first, um, three-point shooter, floor stretcher, and Suggs is more of a little bit of D and three, a little bit of both. So you, you and more of a strong, versatile defender who can guard one through four. To me, like he, he'll play like post-up defense on Kevin Love is my favorite example because like K Love just like gave him an attaboy afterwards because he had nothing going after trying to post up Suggs, like didn't move him anywhere. Um, so in in theory. I think it's just about kind of trial and error, see who fits, see who fits best with this core. And I would guess that Fultz, Markel Fultz is the likeliest long-term starter of these guards um, because he's pretty, he's probably proven the most for this offense between the mid range game, the table setting, he can get anywhere he wants on the floor. He just, you know, that three point shot has never fully recovered. So that's, that's always going to be lacking, but I like to think kind of, he can hopefully embody a game similar to DeMar DeRozan where he is a, a pick-and-roll maestro, half-court, mid-range assassin, hopefully drawing more fouls as well. We mentioned the drives earlier, so like he's that he's another driving option that can uh, create the drive-and-kick opportunities for the forwards as well. So really the, the best part of having all these drive-and-kick options is that the creation load is not too much for any one player, and you don't have to ask – Paulo to store 30 every single night he can just he's getting like 20 without even trying without like in terms of without having a bunch of plays called for him he's just play finisher making the right plays drawing fouls and 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 making things happen that way so I I I like where Orlando's at with it but you know I I don't think anyone's a lock either like if if they got the top three pick in this next draft and Scoot Henderson or Amen Thompson or Azar Thompson Azar Thompson are there I mean th- those type of guards obviously Wimbanyama is the one of the greatest prospects mm-hmm. to ever play so that that's a, another dream there but just in terms of like winning the draft lottery and you get to add the perfect player to this core it's probably like Suggs if Suggs with us if Suggs was a sniper like maybe Desmond Bain is is a little ideal example there but well Suggs might even be better defender there but either way no Bain ain't that good over there yeah yeah so but you know somewhere in between where where you you get a, a strong versatile two guard versatile defender and basically a sniper who can catch and shoot play finish off of all the creation from everyone else that is pretty much established Nick Smith Jr. Oh, you know, it's funny. It's 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 a problem that's more rare because I think a lot of teams problem when you're when you're trying to rebuild and find core pieces is finding people who are table setters, who can who can run an efficient offense, who can create their own shots and create for others. You guys already have a lot of that. It's more of the play finishers, right? You're you, you need more guys that don't necessarily need the ball in their hands to be effective that can finish the play or that can keep the ball moving. Um, you know, and you, you mentioned like Cole Anthony is more of the, the floor spacer and the shooter, kind of a score first guy. And I think he's kind of thrived next to these, these different forwards for that reason. And whereas Fultz and Suggs, their three-point shooting, you know, hasn't really come along and, and it may never come along. I'm not sure, but they've got, you know, defensive chops and, and Fultz has, has become so good at changing the energy on the floor when he's out there. So it, it does kind of seem like there's a, a, almost a carousel of guards, you know, not just because of the injuries creating, you know, opportunities for them all to, to have kind of little auditions, but you have an, I think an easier problem to solve, which is finding players that complement 
your kind of core forward initiators um, that can, you know, that don't necessarily need the ball in their hands to be effective, which, you know, is a lot of, it's kind of the opposite problem with of a lot of teams. So it's, it's a good problem, I think, to have at this point. Now, if you guys get Victor yeah. Wembanyama, I'm just calling. It. It's like this is just <laughs> the league ridiculous. The over, Paulo, yeah. Paulo at point, Wemby at the two. <laughs> I'm saying you guys up. can seriously run a lineup where your shortest guy is Wendell Carter at six foot nine <laughs> and dominate. That's the dream. That's, that's the dream. That's the dream. You're you're right though about about Fultz and and Cole. I I think the the big thing that the team appreciates with them is the change of pace that they bring. Just Instead of Franz and Paulo having to maybe you know uh, break down a defense every possession down, the, these two guards definitely bring another burst. And, and Suggs is an absolute killer in transition too. Uh, but but those two, um, kind of as the point guard, just bring another change of pace and have have full control over the speed of the game. Like they're both like deceleration masters out there, just able to full speed up to get past their man and then stop on a dime to to get a little floater off. And finish around the rim so the 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 pace is definitely a, a big big perk for those two and, and what they bring so it's just uh trying to build that team chemistry where like, like we mentioned as well where basically everyone can dribble pass and shoot they want to find good basketball players who make good decisions and it all sounds nice in theory but you know there's only so many basketball players that actually do all these things consistently and it kind of sounds like coach speak or when you talk about it, but that that's what you want is, is, is players that want to play the right way that have the team goals in mind while still being able to entertain the fans with flair and have fun out there. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. I do want to ask you uh, as you know, I'm a coach, obviously not NBA level, but um yeah, what he's it's coming. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, Go, baby. But there are there are a couple coaches in the NBA that I truly, truly like, um, and Jamal Mosley is one of them. I, I just really, really like the way he goes about coaching. Um, you know, he the guys seem to really latch on to him. He seems, you know, there's a lot of coaches that say they're player coaches, but yeah, uh, but Jamal Mosley seems like it. You know, he seems like a guy that really is a player's coach, you know, um, like like a Willie Green. He, he gives off a vibe of like, you know, a Monty, like those type of vibes where like players really like to, you know, outside of Aiden, I'd love to play <laughs> for a guy like him, you know? Yeah. Um, like what have been your thoughts? Um, I want I would like to know your thoughts when they hired him, what you thought to how you feel about him now? Yeah, I mean, it only gets better by the day. I, I, I can't say enough nice things about Coach Mosley. It, it is a refreshing, like, breath of fresh air, I guess, just what, like like we touched on earlier, watching this modern offense where it's, it's endless drive-and-kick basketball and versatile defenses where we will switch, scheme, switch schemes constantly on a dime depending on the matchup and, and whatever makes sense. So just – just having a coach willing to change on the fly is is nice to just appreciate from uh, you know Steve going from Steve Clifford to here. So I I heard that uh, Luca wasn't even too happy that Mosley left either. That maybe he wanted him to stay. So there's that, that's always nice uh, that 
it, one of the better pr- players appreciates that that type of coaching. And I, I got to agree with all the stuff you said about being a player's coach. I mean, you see pretty much every Magic player giving him a hug or a huddle one-on-one after they do something incredible, like like he, like whether he's calming them down or hyping them up, whatever the necessary energy is. He, and uh, like from day one, he, he changed the culture. He, he really emphasized hustle. Like that was his big thing. They they brought in a little bell for practice. Ring the bell every time you make a hustle play. That was a little catchphrase for the first year, and it's just carried on. I mean, you you can see it out there that the energy level is different. The the team plays hard every night. There's and that that's the part that I gotta the court I gotta strike is that this team competes until the end. Like the let me say it this way: the Clifford teams with Vucevic and Fournier. If we were down 15, even if we were up 15, you had no faith that 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 they were going to finish the game. This team could be down 20 in the fourth and come back and win because they are just trying that hard and giving it all their every possession. And that starts with coaching because the players are a rotating cast most of the time. And yet the the hustle and the energy and the pace all stay up. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, they're, they're top 15 in drives per game. They're, they're 12th in drives fourth and drive points and eighth and drive field goal percentage, but 29th and, and, and drive pass percentage and 26 and total passes out of drives. So you would hope that as the guards get back, that basically we have these, all these great drivers that are penetrating the paint. Apparently we need to kick out more because there's just not quite enough kickouts happening yet. Maybe like you, you mentioned earlier, finding more play finishers and three point shooters on the wing that, that, match that kind of lineup will will help that in the long term as well so ranking like basically being being an elite team on driving and drawing fouls i mean that you you got to credit paulo and you got to credit the culture that that coach mosley has has implemented when when he's not out there because it it constantly they constantly come so it and, and on top of all that he just brings a positive mentality and and good vibes from your coach that that you want to hear like you there's modern schemes play the players all like you mentioned players coach where the players respect them and and there seems to be solid communication there and that's all you can really want and hopefully fans i've seen some fans you know say stuff because they're fans but i just don't want to see him get like the jock von treatment here where he's he just gets the losses piled up and then is kicked out for the next coach where he doesn't like, cause even Jacques Vaughn did a good job when he was here, but he just had to be the, the rebuilding coach who had to take all those losses for the resume and basically didn't get to see the next part of the rebuild. And I, I think Mosley absolutely deserves this like job as long as he's willing to take those losses because it, it could be another year, but you know, he, he's clearly changed the culture and that starts with him. And it's, it's nice that it's like uh not transparent, but just a fluid communication from top to bottom where the, where the whole organization is connected. Goals are aligned, trying to build the long-term sustainable winner without necessarily, and hopefully not just make the playoffs, but be there long-term and contend and, and build a real team that will get back to the playoffs over and over. And I would guess from like a team building perspective, they've set them up, um, the Magic have set themselves up for a consolidation trade, if if necessary, where maybe, you know, a, a Brad Beal or Damian Lillard are the old names that get thrown around, but they're probably a little too older now. But maybe Devin Booker gets 
tired of his situation. He has connections to the DeVos family or and in Orlando in that sense. You know, you Orlando could easily pack make it a, a strong package about as strong as anyone for for a disgruntled star to to kind of take that leap if they can't build it from within. And I think that probably I don't think we're looking at that type of trade this year, but this summer with the draft with Wembenyama, those prospects at the top of the draft, that that's a a definitely a window for for maybe either a big trade an all-in move or maybe they just bring back two more rookies because orlando has um chicago's pick from the the vooch trade as as you know top four protected just throw that in there if, if franz and wendell wasn't bad enough the best uh piece might be coming yet we'll see but yeah uh, there may be a zach think... levine in your future you know if hey. it just keeps going the way it's going hey you're not wrong <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we'll hit him up <laughs> he, he said you're not wrong. Yeah. He was probably joking, uh, but you're not wrong. You know, I just I'm thinking of the meme where the guy sits in the grave and starts pulling dirt over himself. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at. Man. And then you're you're the guy with the with the just giving the just peace sign over the over sure the grave. The haters are dead. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> showed up to my showed up to my biggest haters funeral just to make sure he's dead. Oh man. <sighs> but it's so funny to to mention that the coaching. I think people underrate the impact that a really great coach can have, not only on the culture as you mentioned, but the 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 play style the freedom of play, the confidence in different players. I know a lot of those guys that rack up the losses with rebuilding teams, it kind of hurts their resume, but they're so important to building the right foundation for a player, which makes it such a mockery that uh, Chicago used Jim Boylan as their rebuild coach. And I'm sure Jim Boylan's a nice guy, but like you can see, you mentioned the organizational kind of fluidity from top to bottom and the communication being on the same page. And organizations win championships. It's true. It's um, organizations can really, really provide a great foundation for success, or they can sabotage every every possible piece of success <laughs> that happens. And and we've kind of experienced. Uh, we've seen and experienced both of these in, in looking at you know these kinds of franchises. There's a specific player that I think has really benefited from the Magic's, you know, culture of change and found the right fit, and been such a weird, just such a weird success story. And I'm not even sure if success is the right word yet, but the Bull Bull experience has been truly something to behold this season. I just wanted to ask you, I don't even know where to start with it. Like, what, what can you, can you Holy decipher bully. the bubble experience for us at all? Cause I can't, I just know it's really fun to watch. What is going on here? Every, every time I turn on the TV, he's just, he'll make one incredible play after the next and it, he'll drop a new highlight coast to coast. Every other game bowl leads the league in three point blocks with nine. So he's blocked nine three-pointers and also leads the league in field goal percentage on shots within five feet around the basket at 82 percent and his true shooting percentage it ranks eighth in the league right next to like kd and steph at 67 percent so all of a sudden he is just a tough shot maker with the handles and confidence that that's a really great point to to point out there that really the freedom and confidence that this coaching staff has given bull 
as as well as the opportunity. And now, you know, when talent finds opportunity in the right situation, you get some production. And, and we're finally, we're, we're seeing that. And, you know, he got written off. I, I mean, I've always been a fan from like back in the draft because he's, he's a tall player with skills. It was, I mean, everyone he's likes a, watching that player. He was at it's Oregon. It's the Victor Wembanyama, right? Number. It's like, you know, it's yeah, like when they say, we have Victor Wembanyama at home, which is bull bull. <laughs> Magic right? fans are definitely saying that. Even it, It's a bit of a stretch for me, but... It, but it's the memes, you gotta, you gotta respect the memes. You gotta respect. Yeah, you gotta respect. If it's, you know, the memes know all. And, you know, he. what's crazy is he's a tough shot maker and an elite shot blocker. He's efficient. And also what, what's been nice is he, he's shown an ability to switch on perimeter defense. And that's probably been the biggest surprise because the, the, that was probably the, probably one of the bigger knocks on him was putting him in more of a, perimeter defensive role when he's playing with Jokic he's he's not maybe as free roaming and maybe maybe he was misaligned into like that Aaron Gordon Jeremy Grant perimeter role where he needed to be more versatile oriented and perimeter oriented instead of here he's just like free to roam and and help play help defense and shot block and and use his length to switch effectively in like a scheme and system of of switches so um, it's just been incredible to see and Easily a fan favorite. I mean, everyone loves Bowl. He, he makes he, he wows everybody once a game with something you feel like you've never seen before. Just bringing the ball up, going through his legs, hitting a pull up three contested for no reason, just because he felt like taking it, and then he drills it, and it's it's been a joy. I, I think Chris Chris said it, and I think because um, I I, can, I wanted to continue to wax wax poetic on Jamal Mosley, but I think. Th- the Bobo resurrection is all you need to know. And, and what I mean by that is, it's like you could tell a lot by how a player is playing um, because, you know, the types of shots, like you said, the pull up threes and transition off the dribble, you're not taking that shot. If you feel like your coach is going to pull you out because, you know, I, I didn't tell you you could do that. You, you come sit down. Sure. That is a coach telling him, hey, yo, go out there and play your game. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's that says a lot, man. You know, like it really does. And 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 it's probably why, like, like I know you you said that you hope he doesn't get the Jock Vaughn treatment, but it's probably why he won't he won't, you know, because he's gonna have Paolo and those guys. Like, no, if he if he's gone, we're gonna have to have a problem, you know. Like, yeah, nah, he's our guy, like <laughs> keep him here, exactly. but like ball is so fun to see him doing this, man. Because I remember all the ballist life mixtapes with him and Sharif, <laughs> and and him doing all these crazy, you know, off the bounce type, you know, you're like how's a dude doing this? You know what I mean? Like how's a dude seven two doing this? This is crazy. Um, but like I said, man, it's it's really cool to see him doing this, and I I, I just hope that he continues to get better, um, and just continues to grow, man. I mean, this dude is. He's fun. He he is absolutely fun to watch, and you're you're not lying about that at all. No doubt, he's a blast. It, it, I mean, he's probably I, I want to say he's the Vegas favorite for most improved now, and he'll probably be the popular pick as it is. <sighs> Looking good, my gosh, well, well deserved too. You know, um, yeah. I mean, the the stats are huge, and I mean, he he's easily like the surprise good good feel player story, or one of the those stories of the year for sure. So, I mean. It's, it's it's just fun to see 
a player get a second chance and take advantage of that opportunity. It's creating some. It's create. It's going to create some problems for you guys. I'm mean, good problems, but as you mentioned, there's only so many spots on a roster, and especially in a front court oh, yeah. that already has so much talent in it. So, the I think the I think the Magic are going to be ripe for a consolidation trade. Maybe not this year, but oh, you yeah. said this summer a lot of things are going to start to come together and depending on where they pick and depending on what happens with Chicago's pick, they may be in a really prime position to make such a move. Uh, there's a couple different teams. I mean, the whole league seems kind of mid this year as a whole. I don't know why, but like every team's just kind of like 13 and 12 or oh, 11 yeah. and 13, you know, 14 or whatever. Um, there's just not a whole lot of people running away with stuff other than like the Celtics, the Suns, Pelicans, and Bucks. I think that's basically it. <laughs> Everyone else yeah. is just very kind of average. Uh, there's a lot of teams I think that are going to be fomenting for change uh, at the trade deadline and in the summer based on the results so far this season. I'm really interested to see what the future of the Magic holds because you've got Paolo, Franz, and Wendell with a positive rating on, on the minute, their minutes together, which is really exciting to see as a young core at this point in the rebuild. But there's kind of that shifting guard play, finish, finishers, floor spacers. You, 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 you talked about the driving kick numbers. Not There's a lot of driving, but not a whole lot of kicking right now. Yeah. And their, their offense is kind of – their offense looks really good as far as what the coach is running – but the efficiency is just not quite there yet, right? They're still kind of in the bottom five in efficiency. They're not so far off of that. I think I think that there's a future there that is attainable with the improvement that your young guys are going to make in several different areas and the ability that you guys have to consolidate or bring in pieces that fit that mold. Um what do you think in in all kind of all that context? What do you think this team is missing the most to take the next step forward in the rebuild? I think health and consistency there is probably the easy answer. Just just having a full roster available. I mean, because there's a top eight, a top ten here. There's a rotation here at least that we just got to see what the team really has and, and what everyone looks like together. Cause we basically have gotten like one or two of the guards at a time. And Isaac hasn't played in two years. And Wendell is, and Paulo have like missed like half the season almost just here and there. Maybe not quite, but you know, they're, they're missing like 10 games. So I would say first easy answer is health just to see what this team really has all together. But in terms of, player type uh we touched on like Suggs earlier maybe what he could be in theory is kind of maybe the ideal player type like a three-point sniper instead of a streaky one and um to play finish off the driving kicks of, of all the other creators and then really just making sure the the defense and rebounding doesn't fall through the cracks like even though they're all 610 and long and strong in the front court there have been moments where they're just they don't look quite big enough, even with Wendell out there, where where they they get moved around a little or or a little slow on the uh, where it's not as as fast versatile as much as it is like strength versatile. So maybe making sure that the the defense can just sustain itself long term and make sure the rebounding 
as well because they're all like sort of undersized for center, but all tall for forward. So just making sure those numbers even out, I think, is something worth keeping an eye on because I I really like kind of what we were saying is just the the base being built, like the base offense of you, you have Franz and Wendell for a base set of pick and roll actions and DHO that you can break out anytime. There, or you can you also have Paulo bringing a dynamic ISO post up on ball scoring creator who looks where all of them can create their own shot and still look for others and just kind of building out from there. So the perfect piece to fit that is probably like that dynamic explosive two guard, two way type of guard there. And team wise is just making sure that um you know, basically that the vers- versatility doesn't take away from anything. That it, versatility is always a positive, but, you know, just just that the lineup is actually quick enough to hang with the, the speed of this league and, and ver- versatile enough that way. Yeah, man, I mean, I mean, we haven't even talked about Bamba. We haven't talked about Chuma. Yeah. I was gonna say, when you get into Chuma, Lara, I know you got some Chuma OKK yeah. down the pipe here. <laughs> New name. That's right. I, I like it. it better, actually. Yeah, I like it. Better. I think it's. I, cool. I just love <laughs> how it happened. He, he just like one day he's like, "Yeah, my friends told me I've been saying my name wrong my whole life, and it's actually OKK." And I'm like, "Oh, all right." OKKK. That's, no problem. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. that's that's. But it's great. I I love Chuma. It is is a great personality. He's always doing goofy, funny stuff on the sidelines and all that. So fun to watch. And he's a fun player, especially defender. He's super yes. versatile defender out there. Works really hard on defense. No doubt, man. I I remember in the, um, watching him at Auburn, and he. I mean, he was taking over the country. The, the country was falling in love with him. Um, and then he had that you know, gruesome injury. And, yeah. and it, 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 it really, you know, for somebody I've never met, you know, I was like, oh, man, like, I, you know, you know, you, you've never met a person, but like when somebody gets hurt, you, you're like, oh my God, like, no, you, just you don't know? want it. You, you know what I mean? Good things for him. You're sad. Exactly. What could have been the basketball? Yeah. Well, what's best for him? But so it's been kind of cool to see how he is kind of evolving in the league and he's still a good defender and, so I just kind of wanted to ask you about Chuma. Is like, you know, what do you what do you think he he adds to this team and in, in going forward? Do you think is it is it there's something he could get better at that you think is tangible for him? Not something that's kind of like pie in the sky, but like something that you think that you've seen that that's tangible. Of like, oh, I see it. Like, we just need a little bit more of that. Yeah. So he actually. <clears throat> he got a practice in with Carmelo one time. So that, that was cool to see. So working on his mid-range moves there a little bit would probably be where I'd like to see the potential because he has a lot of ball skills. And that, that, the, the thing about Chuma that I like is that he can do a little bit of everything, like a good basketball player in that way. And then where he needs to improve is maybe he's not great at any one thing offensively. So it, it, it kind of becomes like a loose bag of like different tools that might not go together. But like he, I think he can find a real play finishing role here. I, I've, I've liked the comp for him to be more like a more athletic Boris Diaw type, where he, he's like a connector, but has a little bounce to him. So that's where the more athletic comes in. But like he, he, he just makes good team first decisions. He's, he's versatile four five type of defender who can kind of slide into any lineup. And, and I guess he's more of a three four. Chuma is, um, but 
Um, I, I, I think there's a real role there. And, you know, he probably saw his opportunity hit pretty big since we have all these forwards and wings now that are like legitimate starters and, and clearly the core there. And, you know, he, he was a, a first round pick that didn't play for a year because of that injury and just trying to find his own role. So I don't know if he'll see the opportunity to get, you know, ISO mid-range post-up touches, but I think there's there's real, like, scoring potential there, and especially the versatility of his scoring, because he, he can shoot threes, catch and shoot already, and he can dribble, pass, and shoot to attack the closeouts. So in theory, I, I think that's exactly, and he's a versatile defender, so that's exactly what Orlando should be looking for around their, their core drive and kick players already and I think he's just been been hurt this year as well so he hasn't had a ton of opportunity there but um you know I, re- I really like what he could bring I, I love the defensive versatility he brings and yeah I mean I I think he has the ball skills to develop some tough shot making skills to make him to just add another um scoring option uh, maybe a six-man type of option role here in, on this team yeah, it's 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 tough because I'm looking at the roster here and the games played and the minutes played and you got there's 11 guys that are averaging over 20 minutes a game right now and Okeke's uh, one of them uh, he's he's at 21.8 but I think I think this Magic team is better than it's better than their record and their efficiency shows right now because of that health because because of health concerns I mean. Fultz has only played six games. Gary Harris, who you know may be your most reliable kind of outside shooter, and is a veteran presence, he has only played six games. Mo Wagner has only played nine games. You know Isaac hasn't played a game in two years. Right. And you know Wendell and is uh, kind of been in and out of the lineup, and uh, and so is Suggs and Cole. So these are kind of these core players that are averaging high minutes for you guys that just haven't played, and. Right. You talked about your kind of eight, nine, ten man rotation on the team. I think you're going to see a lot of uptick as as you go throughout the year uh, with these guys. And there's going to be inevitably there's going to be some squeeze in this rotation. And I'm interested to see what happens with OKK because he's kind of he kind of seems like one of the guys that may get kind of squeezed out of the rotation or or isn't going to get the kind of reps that are going to maximize his own potential and his own development versus what the team is looking to do. And, you know, we, I know Lara and I talk about that all the time with Patrick Williams on the bulls, um, you know, and, and what his potential could be. And I see a couple of guys on this roster. You know, Mo Obama's another one um, that, that I kind of think of, of, you know, make it squeezed and, and he's kind of been up and down, obviously his whole career. Uh, and he just signed a new, a new deal with, with the magic and, and I'm not sure we haven't even talked about him, right? We haven't talked about his play on the court yet, but um, yeah, I think Bamba might've seen a little opportunity taken with the bowl arrival. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that um, addition was sort of a challenge to Bamba as well. Like, it, yeah. you know, some, you got competition right here, someone that will play a similar role and bring that night to night energy that Bamba doesn't always bring, I'd say. So that that probably is good for him in terms of getting the most out of him and and kind of seeing what his role is long term. I I think he's probably one of the more tradable candidates on the roster, and especially with um, 
Bull's emergence and if Isaac is more in the plans. But he's he does a lot of things well. Like I, I compare him to Miles Turner, where he, he can be a catch and shoot three point threat and a elite shot blocker and kind of fill a specific role as a rim roller, shot blocker, pick and roll, that kind of pick and pop kind of threat there. So he, he clear, clearly has NBA skills. And I think he can kind of fill a nice play finishing role. So in theory, like, like we said with Chuma, he, he fits what the team is building, but it kind of comes down to ego and mentality and chemistry. Like can, can all these young guys be cool with backing each other up at the age of 20 when they know they need the opportunity to get their, their money and their production. Some, and they only get one shot at that in their early years. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough mix of, you know, building chemistry and the realities of the professional basketball league. So there's one other player that I have to bring up because there's a player I already know that, who this on, is. on the, on the bulls that we drafted this, this uh, past year in Dalen Terry. I was, I, I wasn't the, the biggest fan of the Dalen Terry pick. Um, I thought that, um, I thought that, you know, the Caleb Houston, the Jabari uh, Walker, the um, Christian Brown, um, you know, Malachi Branham, you know, there were some other names that I really thought could be a little bit uh, better of a pick than Dalen. And one of them was Caleb Houston. I, I And he's getting, I think, like 18 minutes per game or something like that. But I truly believe in what he can be at, in the NBA. 6'8", um, can really shoot it, can guard. I think he's like a prototypical 3 and D wing. Um, like, if you could get – like, I, I was thinking when I when I uh, scouted him, I was thinking like like a Gary Trent Jr. kind of comparison. Um and I, I just really think I'm a big, big believer in, in Caleb. And I know it's it's tough because of all the talent they have over there for him to get consistent uh, minutes. But what do you think about Caleb? You know, I, I love the guy. Um, truly, truly, truly love Caleb. I, I would literally was thinking and I was hoping that they would just take a take a shot at him at 18 over Dalen. But uh, what do you think? Caleb Houston. Uh, well, I know that. Orlando has it's kind of it's kind of a fan of Michigan players, so that's the first starter. That's probably why he was on our radar. We uh, have some ownership connections there as well, but he's at least the third Wolverine on the team. I th I think we've gone through a few different ones, but he's a, a really at very least already a, a should be a good catch and shoot three point threat. Um, that he has one legit NBA skill, and then he's also shown like defensive instincts with his length to kind of be in the right position and he, he's thrown out there in a lot of these uh, bench lineups because like we mentioned all the injuries I mean we, we've had some rough bench lineups this year and going back to some of that um, I would say that a lot of the fans kind of are pointing out that we should be better than the record and that maybe players are being held out a little longer than they need to be or or they're just asking questions like you know, why, why, why isn't Isaac back and why is Fultz ready today and now playing another week? So 
I would say that there's some inclination that some tanking might be going on with the Magic, where a little bit of precautionary actions are happening. But I personally don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think that's probably the best move for this season, given all the factors where to me, this rebuild got restarted with that Vucevic trade, a clear window to the 2023 draft where they added this second pick and there was a few years out to get there. So to me, that was like the clear window. We're going to collect as many best basketball prospects as we can. And during that time, while we have these extra picks, and then all of a sudden they hit on Paulo and they hit on Franz. And it's almost time to be good now because the, they hit on these picks. But, you know, the league is really good where it's it's not as easy as you draft a, a player that gets compared to LeBron and Carmelo and you're good all of a sudden. Like it, like back in the day, that might have been true, but we're not quite there anymore. It's a really deep, talented league. So to me, it makes sense to take one more shot in this all-time historic draft at the top, at least. and go for the prize one more time and then build out again next year. And if that means piling up some losses this year, that, that's kind of okay. Like I'm basically, I agree with the general mentality that this year should be about player development and lottery balls more than it should be. Let's chase an eight seed or a seven seed just to do it. But I I'm all for like going all in. And I think this team should do that, but, you know, it just makes sense to kind of wait one more year until, in theory, we're too good to tank like we were this year, except everybody's hurt. So that, like, you just don't want to be stuck in that building process in the middle if you're trying to get to the absolute contention long term. Like, I, I, I think that's the goal of the team, of course. So um, hope, hopefully they keep building that way. Yeah, it would suck to be kind of stuck in the middle, not have any picks. Um, you know, have players that are good but not quite good enough. Yeah, I'm, I oh, yeah. I can't relate to that at all. Couldn't, but, couldn't um, imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. That sounds so tough. Sorry. It'd be a tough spot to be in. Um, you know, and if the Bulls tank this year, you you may get us that second pick anyway. So, hey, if we tick really hard, Thanks. yeah, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um. Lero, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your thunder here because I know you love to ask this question to everyone we talk to. Um, but I, you know, as as we kind of wrap wrap this up, it's it's been really fun to talk about the magic, but we wanted to get a little bit more about you and your background. Oh. And so, you know, Lero Lero asked this. Um, so Lero, you can you can steal my follow up question <laughs> this time. <laughs> but I wanted to see what it was that got you into basketball like what drives your your fandom but not just your fandom but your your desire to contribute to the sport of basketball and you know in your own way and kind of add to that conversation what what's been your motivating factor what got you into basketball and what's your motivating factor for it now that's a deep question to end the pot on. I like it though, but honestly, what got me into the basketball is is the magic. Just going to games with my dad and my brother growing up. We had tickets to see. I mean, first Shaq was larger than life, but I was like literally a baby when Shaq was here. So he was like basketball god in terms of that. So that that was like a awesome way to start as a fan. 
and really my first basketball memories are more like the T-Mac times. He's Shaq and T-Mac are easily my favorite players ever. And it's those two reasons, like just seeing him live, seeing a tough shot maker. Like he's basically the Kobe for magic fans. Like he, he's our like all time, great tough shot guy. And, <clears throat> and then we also were season ticket holders for the Dwight teams. And that's more in my actual memory here. So just great basketball memories as a fan going to magic games. Um, I played basketball growing up, like at the courts at the park and just, just love to play it. I um, played a little bit in high school and more so played football and track and field, but did some basketball as well here and there, but I, I just love it. And, um, Basically, I, I just want to work in, in basketball. I want to help. I, I would love to pursue working in basketball. Helping a team build is just all, all I want to do and all I think about. So I, I love talking switch theory, all that kind of all that kind of stuff. But um, oh, we'll so, pay you later for that one. That one's nice. Go. Yeah, I'll we'll slide, slide that slide that Benjamin to you. You know, under through the mic under here. Um, but yeah, I. Just love math and basketball. I taught myself data science and uh, studied some computer science in school, um, but majored in business as well. But uh, so just taught myself some data science so I could create data visualizations and um, also s still learning how to build models in, in Python and Tableau as well, or I uh, use Tableau for the visualization, but kind of just learning these things to improve and, and have better tools to talk basketball and to explain like i think being able to just visualize stats is, and different data is just a cool way to express stats that you know clearly has impact but some people kind of shrug it off because they don't like numbers so I'd, i i like to think the visualization kind of bridges that where it, it's an ability to communicate data with non-data people and still take meaning from it and really just try to find the balance of, you know, analytics versus film and um, just trying to unite all of them. Cause they're, to me, they're just endless tools to improve your basketball team decision-making skills for, for building out the team or making lineup decisions, roster construction, all those things. So I, I just love all those things and talking about it and reading it. So I'm pursuing work in general, putting out work, in that related to those themes on the NBA and uh, the magic specifically, and basically just been a fan my whole life and, and really wanted to kind of talk about them and put, put work out them, put, put work out on them and, and stuff that I don't necessarily see um, elsewhere. And I, I thought there might be a little bit of window there. So, you know, I just, just love the magic and love hoops. So it's, it's all I do. So I'd, just looking at ways to to keep building out from there. Well, you kind of answered the next question in, in in kind of a way, but um, what is your end goal with this, man? Like, if what is your your dream? You know what I mean? Like, if you got this, you're you're like, I, I'm good. I don't want to go anywhere else. I'm good. You know what I mean? What what is that? Hey, the magic just got to hit my line. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You see all this work? No, I um, I mean, and that would be the ultimate dream for sure. I mean, just working working with an NBA team, helping them build out a roster, and, and just being a part of that decision making process between the scouting and the the lineup, and the analytics and film work, 
all that. So it could, you know, NBA would be ultimate goal, but um, you know, G, G League is another great opportunity, and, and there's a, a bunch of good leagues. And you, you know, I'd I'd be happy to work with websites as well where it makes sense to to put out that scouting and film work, I guess, for for NBA and and basketball in general. So end goal definitely would be with a team, but you know, I'm I'm definitely excited to work in any basketball related work I, I guess but at the moment just kind of enjoying putting out the work and, and the creative side of it between um, just different different ways to either break down film or highlight different stuff and then visualizing the data as well hey Jeff Weltman you know slide into those DMs baby let him know anytime now. Yeah, Mr. Weltman <laughs> beyond the RK if you're listening okay you're you're right, though. I, you talk about converting data and analysis into in, into and visual helping helping non data non analytics people visualize it, right? Helping them, and I, it speaks to me because I, you know, I, I'm not, I've never been great at the at the kind of the math and and that stuff. Um, it's it's more kind of started as a lot of film and just kind of watching and just getting getting. It's it's more of like when you for music people, some people can write music, some people can read music, and some people can just recognize recognize like musical tones and when it's on, when it's off, and certain things. I'm the third category of yeah. person where like I can't write it, I can't really read the notes, that, but that sounds you know, nice. That's a good word. But I but I <laughs> I have an ear for music, right? And I kind of feel yeah. that way about basketball, and I'm I'm working on the the writing and the reading portion of it. And so being able to get the visualizations and, and obviously follow your work in the magic, because the magic, I think, are are underrepresented as a fan base in the basketball discourse in general. It's, it's coming back. And I think the magic are, are kind of getting more in the mainstream now. But I love to I love to see the voice that you put out and helping me visualize as a fan and as someone who's interested in, in, in magic basketball, what they're doing from a scheme standpoint, what they're doing, you know, from an individual standpoint. So just a, a long winded way to say, we love your work. And obviously one of the reasons we wanted to bring Appreciate you on switch it. theory was to, you know, give you more of a platform and, and hopefully people who aren't following you will be able to do so and, and, and know about your work. And the, the work that you're putting in is important, even if it leads to nothing. And this is kind of something that Larry and I talk about all the time, even if it leads to nothing, you do it for the love of basketball and i think that's a great reason to do it and i think that often translates into success because you're doing it for the right reasons it's coming from an intrinsic place uh rather than for extrinsic motivation and and that's a beautiful thing and it's you know it's it's uh it shows in your work and i think it'll continue to show in your work so you know congratulations for all what you're doing man it's really awesome to see and i know laro and i have, have been fans of yours and you were the you were the first person we thought of, you know, when we talked about hey, hey we want to talk about Orlando Magic. We, we got to bring RK on here. Man, well, I appreciate the love, guys. It means a lot. Been following you guys for a while too, and it's great to finally connect on here. Yes, it's sir. Swiss theory talking. Yes, sir. It's always it's always been like, especially I kind of feel like your visuals, like your data, your data visuals have been like popping up more. And I don't know if that's because you're like producing it a lot more than you were before, but like, I, I love, I love it, man. Like, cause like, like Chris alluded to it. Like, um, 
I am trying to learn more stats. I'm trying to learn more advanced stats. You know, I know like a few of the basics um, that I can kind of talk with and, and know what the heck I'm talking about, but there are some where I, I still need to get better at, you know, uh, because I grew up in a basketball family that really weren't about advanced stats. You know, it was about yeah. roll that ball out. Let's play one V one. Whoever wins is better. You know what right. I mean? And I had, to, I had to grow from that because like, that's just not the right way to look at the game. <laughs> so, um, so I'm still, I'm still learning, you know what I mean? So, um, it, your, your visuals helped me out a lot. Um, and it also shows that, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Is a damn good basketball player. <laughs> so preach. So it goes, man. I appreciate you guys a ton. Love your work as well. Scouting. Swish theory over there. It's <laughs> great. I really appreciate it, guys. So thanks yeah. for having me on. And I just appreciate the love. It, it's, you know, it's like you said, it's just the love of the game. We love watching hoops and breaking it down. That's what that's why we're out here doing it. Yes, just, sir. A, just a trio of sickos. Swish <laughs> theory. Um RK, before before we let you go, can you uh, can you let people know where they can follow you on Twitter, your Substack, your YouTube page, uh, you know, all, all places where we can find your work? Yes, sir. The handle at beyond the RK. It's the same for YouTube, Substack and Twitter. Um, you can I think I, I'm on Medium as well, but I left there for Substack a year ago. No, took my talents to Substack. No, no big deal. Um, but you have a press conference some, for that? Some older, yeah, I, I'm back. <laughs> just one just one letter. I'm back. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so yeah, I, um, forgot what I was saying, but yeah. So find me at beyond the RK at all those handles. I put out pretty much a biweekly newsletter where I, I pretty much have, have tried to consolidate a lot of my work into one newsletter, like once or twice a month, where instead of just putting out a random graph of a leaderboard, like I will do sometimes. Um, but I, I try, I, I'd like to add my thoughts to it and maybe instead of just hitting people with 50 tweets, write out one nice newsletter where I can put all my thoughts, put film breakdowns, put graph breakdowns, data visualizations, or the last one was a how to, if you were interested in Python code, you could copy the last visual I made as well. Um, and really just, uh, Finding finding the value of stats as well, because like like you said earlier, like not every stat means something. Not every stat is even meaningful, but they all show something. Like they reflect something that happened on the court. Like the a, a random stat I didn't get to, uh, Paulo's percentage of foul drawing on drives is second in the league behind Giannis. So when he's driving among players with eight drives per game. So of all the players with eight drives per game, he, he ranks second in drawing fouls already behind Giannis. And that, that's just a random set. I, for, I thought I'd throw in here at the end, but um, you know, it just shows like you, you could look into drives and drive efficiency. And, you know, is he, how he's more likely to score his points percentage is way higher than his pass percentage on drives. So, um, I really like the scouting aspect of it where like just looking at a shot chart could tell you a lot, uh, almost everything you need to know about, you know, what a player is really threatening to score from. Like you, you might think someone is like a mid range assassin watching the film and then you see the shot chart after and it's like 
three makes from the right side mid range and zero for four on the left. It's like, all right, let's just force them left. And like we didn't, maybe we didn't catch that on the tape, but you know, it's it's like obviously it clicks now. All, it, this whole side of the floor is green, and this one's red. Let's force them over there. And it's it's like a, I, I like that the subtle scouting, just another tool that you like if you miss it on tape. Well, we the data will track that part of it versus the film comes in for you know all the actual basketball to see how how it gets done versus you know maybe what happened on the floor mm-hmm. if the stats show you what the film probably shows you how and why i love i love that I, that's always how i thought of stats uh, or, or analytics versus film the, the analytics show you what's happening the film shows you why it's happening right and right. So you say hey someone's not effective on the floor why is it happening or someone is taking a lot of shots what's causing that to happen and you know that that's that's what's so fun about what i love about basketball is you can never know enough you can never know all of it no matter how much work you do there's always still more to learn and and so it's you know it's it's a very it's a (laughs) self-sustaining love of the game um but man rk we loved having you on uh Feel free to stop by anytime you ever want to, you know, feel free, st- feel free to stop by Swiss theory anytime if you want, you know, to, to put, to, we, we're always looking for some more, more talent, especially with, for uh, Orlando magic, minor cool. magic breakdowns. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, we would absolutely love to have you. So Larry, any parting thoughts before we, before I go do my spiel? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> not really, man. Um, yeah, man, come on over uh, and talk to us about Swiss theory, brother. That's all I really have to say. And uh, Chris, you may go ahead and do your thing. Thank you guys so much for listening to Switch Theory. We love talking uh, breakdowns every week about different teams. Make sure to follow Beyond the RK on Twitter at his Substack on YouTube. Make sure you follow Switch Theory and follow the work. We have some amazing work going on. Lots of great stuff from scouting reports to great articles breakdowns videos and we got more coming every day make sure you rate and review this podcast as well you can send us an email if you'd like at switchtheorypod at gmail.com if you have any comments suggestions questions love to hear from you and we'll see you guys again next week peace